was three nights before Christmas, and when the referee blew his whistle, both teams served up an absolute cracker. Now, a recap of that game would probably take me a good half hour, so I'm not going to bother, and we'll just jump right into this one to talk about Wraith Rovers 4, Air United 4. Uh, I am Duncan Cameron, and joining me today we have uh, We Are Wish You A Merry Christmas. It's Robbie Weir. How are you, mate? Yeah, uh, very well, Duncan. How are you? Yeah, very well, man. Very well. Uh, we have Good King Wenzis Leslie Mabin is here too. How are you, Leslie? Oh, ho, holy crap. I still haven't calmed down from last night. <laughs> Good. Um, our Muppets Christmas Carol Allison Smith is here too. Hiya, Carol. How are you? I'm very good. And being compared to the Muppets Christmas Carol's bright in my day. Good. Excellent. Um, it's beginning to look a Scott like Christmas. It's Scott Fleming. How are you, mate? Uh, you're not too bad, mate. Cheers. Excellent. And finally, the stockings were hung by the fire with Blair. Popcroft. How are you, mate? Uh, much like the team going into last night, I am hungover. <laughs> Fair enough. If you need to dip out at any point, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll we'll forgive you eventually. Um, so well, let's let's stick with you actually, because you um weren't on the the preview pod. So so kind of kick us off with just kind of your thoughts going into this one and and how you thought when you saw or sorry what you thought when you saw the the team lineups. So yeah, it's been a, a kind of recurring theme this season. I've I've used the phrase worryingly buoyant. Um, starting to feel a little bit kind of silly today but um genuinely like had no no fear at all no concerns um teams playing well everybody seems to be fit like it's it seemed to be a bit of a a no-brainer actually had a really nice moment in the afternoon i went into marks and spencers up at the retail park and it was hoaching and i hate the shops when it's hoaching it was bodies everywhere and out of the mist comes sean Byrne with a, a trolley, and this is genuinely true, calm as, a, calm as you like, moseying through all the old dears in, in Marks and Spencers. And I, I had that line from you in my head about he just sees everything in slow motion. I was like, this is a good omen. Um, it was not a good omen. <laughs> um, but uh, team lineup was exactly what I was kind of hoping it would be, to be fair. Um, Jack Hamilton in for Callum Smith seemed the obvious change. Um Again, we'll go through the game in, in a lot more detail, I'm sure. But um, no, I, I didn't see that coming. Did not see it in the slightest. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same. It's, it was the lineup I think that I predicted um, on Thursday night, and so yeah, absolutely no no complaints from me either. Um, and in terms of the, the kind of opening exchanges, I mean, really, first kind of twenty five minutes, there wasn't really much happened. I don't think that was really. Uh, a window into what was going to happen across the the rest of the game, but um, Leslie, if you give us your your thoughts, please on yeah that kind of the opening period and and how the the game began. I think I mean the air probably actually started a bit stronger, and you could see they you know they were they were up for it, and you no know, very quickly realised they've actually got a pretty decent set of attacking options. I mean I know that the air fans grumble about Lee Bullen, but fair play for assembling. I mean, you know, you've got Chalmers, uh, Amarty, it sounds like we're all for the red-nosed reindeer, but I don't mean it too. And, you know, Downs, and there's, um, you know, there, there's a lot, on oh, McGeady as well. And, you know, and they started very well. And I think it took us a wee bit of time to settle down. I think the air probably started stronger. I think we then did settle down a bit. You know, Hamilton had a, 
a really good header on goal that was, was, was pretty routine for the keeper. But yeah, I mean, I think I kind of realised pretty quickly this was not going to be us strolling through and it was going to be a, a pretty close encounter. It's it's um, We talked in the, the preview pod about Ayer's kind of attacking options, but I think it, I, I and uh, me in particular, I was a little bit dismissive, like, don't know how they're going to get them all at the park at the same time, but I tell you, the one in particular that impressed me in the first half was Aidan McGeady. I just wasn't expecting him to be very, very mobile. I mean, I've just not... He's just, I was thinking earlier on, that see, with, see with players like that, sometimes players have to raise their game and reach a certain level. And then there's a lot of lads in the lower leagues where you'll look and you'll see them play and you think, oh, they could potentially go on and maybe kick on to the top flight, but they're too inconsistent for it. Whereas there's other players, and we saw it before with sort of almost like Christoph Berra, where they've played at a higher level before and people are kind of dismissive, like, oh, no, he won't be that good. But then he comes down and you see his class and that's the same with McGeady last night. Like, he just, he's not got the pace again really so much anymore but the technical ability there was he was light years ahead of anything on that pitch last night just in terms of technical ability maybe other than Chalmers um, but yeah I think you've got to give credit air for their approach um, and how they went ahead um, and just how they came into the game yeah yeah definitely and that's the thing with McGeady I was I was surprised that actually the pace that he did have I was especially when you see that they're lining up with that and that he's playing in the middle and you think, right, they're going to have to just basically use him, you know, like a netball player. Like, he's not going to move when he's got the ball. He's just going to be the kind of central point. But actually, you could see it. <laughs> you see it with the guys who manage, you know, because obviously 10 years ago, Aidan McGeady was just all about pace, out wide, running at people. But you can see now he's choosing when to run and he's when not to, kind of conserving his energy. And the fact that he was the one to come off at half time. You know, presumably, you know, he's not able to do that for ninety minutes. But I was very impressed, and and I mean that takes us into the first goal. Because obviously, it's McGeady who does, you know, literally does all the running with the ball. But it's also, I think, a huge contributing factor to that is the other players that they've got, because you can see as so McGeady's already beyond Sean Byrne, and as he's kind of bearing down on the defence, Murray is with um, Logan Chalmers oh, and Brown is with Anton Dowds. And you can see that neither of them can leave their man. And that's why McGeady gets to come forward kind of unchallenged. A really um, clever, I was just going to say a really clever run from Chalmers as well. He, go, he goes basically from side to side and drags Murray with him. And you can almost see that moment where Murray goes, oh, oh, I don't know if I can go all the way over there. And he gets kind of caught between one and the other as, as McGeady unleashes the shot. Yeah, it's very, it's very kind of subtle. He's not doing any kind of body check or anything, but you can see no. the point where Murray's instinct is to step across is the exact point that Chalmers blocks that run. Yeah. Murray really has no option but to to stick with Chalmers. Um, Scott, give us um, give us your thoughts on that goal, please. I uh, I must say I was actually raging at that goal because I I thought that for some reason Sean Bunn and couldn't mind if it was Stanton or uh, somebody else, but Sean Byrne was the most noticeable that was just missing for that and was just slowly running back trying to get McGeady and we gave him, we just kept stepping off, stepping off, stepping off and then at some point he's going to unleash a shot if you're just going to keep backing off and then 
fair play, it's a decent finish, but at the same time, we can't be just backing off so long. I mean, he ran for the halfway line almost to the edge of the box without even anybody within a yard of him, which is just criminal, to be honest. And it was so unlike us this season as well, because we're usually a bit of a pest and in everybody's grill. And yet, for some reason, we'll talk about it, obviously, later as well, but I think all the goals were pretty avoidable last night for what, and it was just our own downfall and not closing anybody down. So I thought, nah, that first one kind of really annoyed me at the fact that we just didn't seem to put any pressure because he hit one maybe five, ten minutes before it, McGeady, and it was going miles wide because we put pressure on him. And then at this one, he's got so much time and somebody that's been at that high level, when you give him time, no matter if he's 38 or 20, he's going to at least uh, look like it's going to go in. So, no, it was uh, pretty annoying, that one. It's one of these that sometimes you think, like, you know, if you can run 50 yards and stick this in the goal, then then kind of fair play. But I think the problem with this is it happened multiple times in the in the same game. And I think we'll we'll maybe take the second goal as our opportunity to kind of expand on that whole piece. Because I think there's there's a couple of things to say on that um in terms of the wider selection and, and how the, the defence in the midfield were um were set up. But for now, let's let's just move past that first goal because very, very quickly, um the Rovers got back, back onto level terms. Um and it's a really lovely move through the through the midfield, and it's the man of the moment, Sam Stanton, who finishes it. Um, Carol, if you could give us your thoughts on that goal, please. Well, I thought just like everyone's mentioned just before, Air had slowed us down. They were dragging us out position and slowing us down. That seemed to be their tactic. But then when Sam Stanton, the build up to that goal and that goal going in, I mean, I know we're only talking like a minute from Air scoring, but it seems to just be a complete change of pace. And we went, all right, guys. We've been sleeping a bit here. They know what we're going to do. We need to change it up. But they never seemed to... It was a you know, it was a beautiful, beautiful goal. And it was gave you that sort of, right, okay, here we go. Here it goes. And then I'll let someone else continue before I bring this back down. <laughs> Keep on the high, on the happy side. It was yeah, a, right, um, I was going to say it was a beautiful moment. Like... In a, in a game that was was to and fro and all the rest of it, it's one of those, I've spoken about it before, one of those wonderful things as a football fan, they're still celebrating as we score. And it's just such a lovely kind of sit yourselves down, boys. Like, one of those kind of moments. Um, Sam did so well, so, so well to 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 take the ball before the keeper. Um, it looked a little bit like as well, he was, the way he did it as well, it was that kind of, take me down, do you know what I mean? It's that moment of he nicked in, he took the ball, the only option the keeper's got is to swipe his feet from underneath him, which which is an automatic penalty and potentially a red card. So the keeper kind of doesn't, you know, throw the hand out. Um, but the finish, it, it'll, it'll get lost after that, that game, um, mainly because of what's about to obviously come in this conversation. But um, Sam Santon's finish. Do you know what I mean? He's so kind of off balance and the fact he puts it through the boy's legs and, and into the, the, the goal um, and to do it right after they scored. Um, yeah, it was a, a lovely goal. Lovely. See, see if we're going to take the positives and you can carry this across all the goals that we scored from open play because um, there's definitely positives and negatives that you take out of that game. The assist from Vaughn for that first goal, absolutely yeah. brilliant. The assist from Ross Milne for 
the the second goal. Yeah. Great delivery. And then we'll obviously come on to Connolly's work for the third. But aye. Um yeah, it was just um like like you say, Blair, I think it's been it's a ball and Stanton does really well just to to get it by the keeper. And then if you can see them in that sort of split second thinking, oh, I'm kind of being put into a position where if I bring him down, giving away a penalty and risking a red card, particularly the keeper. Um, but yeah, just um, with that air defence, they were there to be got up. You saw it in sort of different moments throughout. Um, and I think in, later on in the first half to sort of carry on, um, we saw that before we did get our, our sort of second goal, you could see McGinty was a liability in there. Like, just, he stood out like a sore thumb. Because we should have had a penalty from the, the Jack Hamilton one, I felt, um, where it gets brought down in the box. And then we start being a bit more aggressive in terms of how we're going about our business. We start getting a bit more forward. And then it's almost like McGinty just loses the rag. And it just, it's almost like watching someone try to push their luck. Because he has that sort of, you see the, the uh, penalty and then the referee there's the one on Stanton which I was amazed was not a book in and then it comes to the card and he doesn't even try for the ball he's like I saw an air fan on Pine Brothero try to claim that it was harsh he's got his leg and it's it's pretty much a leg breaker that tackle if he lands it a wee bit higher Uh, very very lucky that Easton was up and back on his feet moving about very quickly Um, so yeah just um McGinty was just an absolute animal last night. Um, I don't think any any Rovers fan's going to tell you any differently. He just looked completely, just a complete jobber of a player. And yeah, yeah, it's. it's I mean, I, I don't think it's necessarily a like a, a leap of critical insight to look at a four four and say that both teams are better going forward than they are at the back. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's definitely really, really obvious watching that game, as you say, in that first half in particular. You could see. Neither side particularly comfortable with their defending. Um, Frankie Misonda, any time I've seen him for Air United, looks half the player he did in a lot of the games he played for us. I was really, really disappointed when he left. Um, to the point when you know him and Benedictus left in the same window. And if I could have only had one of them, I'd have kept Misonda out of the two. Yeah. But um, he's just... I feel like any time I see him, he's, he's got a mistake in him. And... Um, you know, him and McGinty last night, yeah, yeah, really the pair of them not defending as a as a kind of unit at all. Really just, you know, two individuals kind of doing whatever they can. Um the other other point, sorry, just to go back to, to Stanton's goal for a second. I think a lot of the your your good strikers in this division have that kind of fore, forethought to take the little touch. I don't know many of the midfielders do. Like it's such a clever little touch to shift that away. I think most midfielders, when they're played through like that, just think, oh, this is a chance, and, and go first time and try and kind of force it past the keeper. So the, the little touch is, is excellent to, to kind of move past that. Um, so the finish as well. Like I, I don't, I honestly don't think he'll get enough credit because he, he, that little touch, like you say, is clever, but it takes him really narrow, like really narrow. Yeah. He's, al- he's almost on the goal line. By the time he, he he kind of hits the shot, and he takes it with his left, so it's not like he's you know turning his body and playing it back across. He's taking it with his left, and there's a defender on the line. Like 
And, and like I say, that movement is his whole motion has taken him to the left. So he's kind of off balance. So to, to even get the finish on, you, you'll see that bit of play 10 times in a season and nine times out of 10, the boy will slap it into the side net because he'll snatch at it because everything's pulling him left and he'll try and hit across it and he'll, he'll not get it on target. Um, so to, to, to get it on target in the first place, like an, an insane little bit of skill that just, he made it look so easy. And from the the kind of highs of that goal with an immediate low almost with the um, the injury that Sam yeah. then picks up. I mean, I think it, it, it looked fairly um, not innocuous necessarily, but obviously there, there's no malice in it. They're, they're both going for the ball. He gets there first, the guy catches him. I don't know if it's actually the um, the impact or if it's the way that he lands. Um, uh, Leslie, were you watching on race TV last night? I was, yeah. And I mean, it Is was a replay hard on that? to see. Yeah, I mean, it was hard to see from Wraith TV. I mean, those anybody else who was watching online, I don't know if you may have a different view, but just because of where the cameras are, it was hard to kind of see in, in kind of in, in any great detail what happened. But again, you know, it did look very concerning. I think, like Davy was saying in the commentary, when the, the reaction of the players tells you a lot, and there was a lot of worry and a lot of a lot of panic. And then, you know, it went to the dugout cam and you see them readying the stretcher and you're thinking, uh-oh. And, you know, I think the only kind of silver lining was, you know, he was able to kind of come off and put a wee bit of weight on it. But no, I mean, didn't see anything. I mean, I would just agree. I don't think that incident, there was any malice. There, you know, it was just, it was a, a coming together. But it, it was it was concerning from, from, from the online viewing too. Yeah, it's, it's um, as you say, Definitely. I mean, it was good to see that he was up. He wasn't walking well, but he was at least walking and, you know, kind of supported after that. And it seems like um, both from uh, Ian Murray's post-match and also I think <laughs> John Greer managed to chin the club doctor at some point as well for an update that, um, that it's kind of very early days, very difficult to tell, but certainly not the... It's not like bad news confirmed which I think in the immediate aftermath, you could see the fear is that like, you know, it's something really serious and that straight away you, you know that. Whereas at least I think it's going to be a case of a couple of days, see if they're swelling or whatever, see if it comes down now, and see what happens. I'm going to add in a caveat here. If anyone sees Sam Stanton walking about in a moon boot, we do have previous examples of players going about in moon boots just as a precautionary measure. I am just putting that out there initially, right? Because next thing you know, I'll go into Pie and Bovril, it'll be a Tuesday or Wednesday morning. Oh my God, I saw Stanton in a moon boot. And you're like, right, okay, we'll just calm it down. We'll You'll, just know calm it down. You'll not see Stanton anyway. Aye, he's... He's, a, he's he's an enigma. Do you know what I mean? He's like he's like the a vanishing act. You'll never see him anyway. Maybe for that's why we love him. Yeah, exactly. I, I must it, admit, so. as Les said, the, the um the the reaction of the players, I was gutted, like genuinely gutted. Sitting in the south stand, I was like, oh no. And it was the moment. I'm pretty sure it was Ross Mellon, just head and hands. And I was like, oh no. Yeah. It just it looked all the world to me like. Remember when Vaughn did his ACL up at Brechin? Yeah. And you could just see it was, I think it was Nisbet and that. They were just like totally gone. Like the, the players yeah. were, were shaken. It looked for all the world like it was a really bad one. And the way Sam went down, he's no the kind of player that rolls about. Do you know what I mean? He's obviously got a really sore one, but you've just got to hope that it's an impact, you know, a bit of bruising, dead leg, maybe a week or so, maybe two, and just 
kind of rest up and feel better and and come back strong. Because I mean, as we're about to go through the rest of the game, bloody hell, we missed them. Mm, absolutely, I think the the kind of small mercies involved is that Ross Matthews is kind of back on the scene. And obviously, he's not had any game time at all. But we spoke a couple of weeks ago in the kind of hypothetical that. Um, Ross Matthews is probably profile-wise the closest you'll get as a replacement for Sam Stanton. Um, so you know, two or three months ago, we just wouldn't have had anyone. So we yeah. need to be, you know, kind of reintroduced gradually. But at least we do have a an option there to kind of fill that role. I would love um, to see a Ross Matthews return. Like I know that he's on the bench, but how good will that be to see him back playing football regularly? And Again, we want Stanton to be back as quick as possible, but we know that Ross Matthews can do it if he does need to come in. And it's just, yeah, fingers crossed that it works out for him. Right? So, and and um, in terms of the game, I'm going to bundle the next couple of few, the next few incidents together because there was a bit of a kind of wild period there between Stanton's, or, or sort of the, the challenge that caused Stanton's injury through a really heavy challenge on... Um, Dylan Easton, I think, that went kind of completely unpunished. There was then that penalty claim, Robbie, that you mentioned as well. Jack and Hamilton then got booked for that, didn't he? Uh, he didn't get booked. I was almost certain he was going to get booked because he very yeah. clearly got right in the referee's grill about it. Um, but somehow didn't get booked, which I think is always a sign that the referee knows there's at least some doubt in his mind. Yeah. Uh, and then up until the red card. So that must have only been about five minutes. But I just... It felt entirely like the referee caused that with just mismanagement of the game. Um, Scott, I think you said that last night as well. So you want to come in first and, and kind of give us your thoughts on on any or indeed all of those little kind of mini incidents in that sort of five minute period. Aye, um, it was pretty much what we were chatting about when I was sitting. Uh, John sits in front of us and he said the exact same. Like it was from that tackle that uh, was on Easton the first one. I actually thought how quickly and how forcefully he went into the challenge. I actually thought it was a worse challenge than the one that he got sent off for. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think they're equally as bad when you look at the highlights. But I think the referee just made a rod for his own back there. Like it was, if you're not going to even book the boy for that, like I don't even think he spoke to the boy that made the challenge. He no, spoke to the captain, and it's like, right, calm the boys down. Well. It's a booking challenge. It's not even... The fact that the reaction of the crowd, I, I get people always will want cards, no matter what, at times, but this it, was, it wasn't even a... There was folk calling for a red card straight away. It was so... You're going, well, it's minimum a yellow then. But then the fact he didn't book anybody, you're going, right, he needs to control this game because this could get away from him. And two minutes later, it got away from him. And the fact that just there was nonsense going on for at least five minutes, and then the red card happened. That challenge does not happen if it's dealt with there and then, because he's then going, right, this referee's on top of us now. Whereas he was, he spoke to him, but that was about it. It was just... And, and you could tell, as soon as Stanton went off, they've probably went, right, now it's focus on Easton. And straight away, I felt a wee bit sorry for Dylan, but at the same time, it's going to come when you're getting all these headlines. You're going to yeah. get some rough treatment at times. And... I, I could see him moaning eventually about it, and fair play, because he, he was getting up and getting on with it, but you're going, right, we need some protection for the referee here, because if we're not going to get it, then 
I fear that somebody's going to get another injury here. But uh, no, I, I just felt that the referee just lost it uh, for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of that first half. And then uh, I, I didn't think... I didn't think the penalty was a penalty. I thought he kind of went down a bit soft, but I also thought he was going to get booked for the way that he reacted. But uh, again, yeah, for some reason, kept his cards in his pocket at that point. But it's just the... stuff like, um, to go back to that sort of period that you've mentioned, it was stuff like, for example, one of the players went down on the railway stand side with a head knock. We kick the ball out and then the referee gives a drop ball. And you're thinking, this guy's not got a clue. He's just, just making it up as he goes. Um and I get that officiating is like a difficult job, but he definitely lost the run of that game, Craig Napier. It was just like, yeah, that I actually thought second half. I was surprised he came out and seemed to be kind of fine second half, but it absolutely lost it lost the plot for that that kind of as you say 10, 15 minute spell. Um, Scott, I agree with what you're saying about the, those two challenges because I thought the same. I thought the first one there was like loads of pace and loads of power, and, and to be fair, both players are going in, and it's the chance you take. Dylan Easton gets the ball and the man clatters through him. I think that's just that's a yellow card every day of the week. It just it has to be. Um, because that's where the real risk is when you're going in with that much force. And then the second one, his foot is higher, but there's nowhere near as much uh, pace in it. That Dylan yeah. Easton is, is running at full tilt. McGinty's not really. Um, what I mean, his foot is high, and it's it's one of these that I think if. If he gives a yellow card for both, I think we are still talking about it today, but we're not jumping up and down daft. But equally, given that he's given McGinty that red card, there's not a chance you're getting that back on appeal. You know, it's it's one that you could you could justify either way. Um, but I uh, I disagree with you, Scott, on the penalty. I thought it was a penalty. I think looking at it back, McGinty McGinty gets knocked over like McGinty trips. Uh, sorry, so McGinty's foot is out and he trips Hamilton. And then McGinty is then knocked off balance by it in a way that he wouldn't have been if it was, you know, a dive or whatever. Because um, I thought at the time, from the stand, I thought it was like, it's a little bit soft. But he definitely trips him and he definitely kind of takes the takes away the chance that Hamilton has to shoot. Um, uh, Blair, do you want to give us your thoughts just on that, that kind of period? Um you know, between the the injury and the the red card. Yeah, so I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna disagree with everybody. Um, so Scott, I agree with, with Duncan. Definitely think that's a penalty. Um, it, for me, it was that kind of as Hamilton's left leg. It's his natural running motion. So his his weight's shifting to his left hand side, and then he, the the foot takes it. And so his natural thing it's it's like when you're a kid and you just do that thing where you knock somebody and they just end over. It was one of those. It looked slow and it looked kind of like a dive or whatever, but actually um, I thought it was a penalty. From the stand, um, I thought the first one was a red. I, I absolutely I thought the first one was a red. I thought he was late. I thought he was high. Um, I thought there was... I genuinely thought there was malice in it, actually. Um, I, I felt that there was a, a clear decision by a, a couple of the boys in their team to... <laughs> To, to kick lumps out of them a wee bit. And, and it's there a, was a hit list. There was a hit yeah, list, I think. It's a natural thing. Like, you, you, you can't even blame them. It's football. That's what happens at this level. Do you know what I mean? You've got talented players and they're going to... The Sam Stanton one wasn't at all, like you said. It was a, a coming yeah. together. Um, there was nothing in that. But the the I tell you the one thing, the, the replay of the red card doesn't do it justice because of the angle. 
So where I sit in the south stand, we're just above the sort of goalie's left post, so the kind of railway side, and up quite high. So we were right in line with it. And his foot is, is high, but it's also away from his body. He, he's seen Easton, he's, he's passed him, and he's literally just stuck a leg on. Like, yeah. there's no attempt to play the ball. It's high. Um, and it's it's not a natural movement. It's like he knows he's passed him, so he just sticks a foot on him um, and takes him down. I thought it was a red card all day, and I think had they not given a red, I'd been I'd have been livid. Like I'd have been absolutely raging. Um, but it's just it's so dangerous as well, though. Like totally. just the way that he's gone in, and because Easton is travelling at momentum, you can't be completely missing the ball and then planting studs into players. Like it's just I get that there's like occasions where the player will slip by. And you're going to catch them. That's not catching someone. That's going in with intent. Like let's not. Make any... the, I was going to say the one at Hamilton, um, in the the cup game. Aye, that, aye. With Kildare, was it? Kildare, that really stupid. Like what? You're never getting away with that. Like what do you aye. think you're doing at that point? Um, but I thought the referee was was honking in the first half. He's the biggest case of wee man syndrome that you'll see in this league because he looks like he's twelve, and. He does though. He looks so so young. Like he would have got a selection box. Yes, <laughs> he would have passed for sixteen. Like he's one of them because I think we had them. Was it eight? Eh, no, Inverness away. Um, the game that we beat them up there this season. He was a referee. I'm sure. I maybe got that wrong, but we've definitely had him already this season. I remember looking at him and thinking, God, he looks like a mascot. Like he looks so so young, and the way that he dealt with Hamilton when Hamilton asked for that penalty. It's everything I hate about referees. It's that you come over here and you stand here and you listen to me thing. Like, there's just a way to deal with people, and I don't think that's it. But by the but same token, the one, you... he, I... Go on, John had said this well. You know, he does this thing. Like, when he's going to make a big decision, he does a wee run around and he kind of takes yeah. himself away from everybody. And he, he sort of steals himself up because he's a wee boy who has to go and ask for his dinner money back from a bigger boy. <laughs> he's got that <laughs> annoying little run he does before he does a big call. It was Queen's Park, wasn't it? Queen's Park. Yeah, Queen's Park, I think. Yes. Um, Sandy, uh, who sits behind me, was saying it, I think. Um, but what gets me is the fact that, like, he's very, he just comes across as really dismissive of players. And I don't, again, the players all know themselves, like, what he's actually like as a person. But, like, if players go across, he'll be, like, flinging arms about, like, you get away, you get away, you get away. And I get that you need to control it. But at the same time, like, he's lost the run of himself with it. Um, in terms of his decision making there, um, yeah, I'd, it was ironic because like first fifteen minutes, me and my mate were saying, "Yeah, the game's been, the referee's been all right so far," and then like fifteen minutes later, my mate's like, "We were totally wrong about that, eh?" Aye, aye, we were. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't sort of mitigate what Sean McGinty does. It doesn't justify his his challenge by any means at all. But if he books the boy for the first one on Easton. That they just it doesn't happen. It's, it's just that's it's it's actively bad refereeing in terms of managing a game, and I just think it's it's one of these things. I think the referees get in their own heads about sometimes. So I think I really I really hate hearing when you, you hear um, typically when they're talking about old firm games, but at derbies at any level, like there'll be a, a really bad tackle really early on, and they're like, oh well, it's a derby. You can't book somebody for that, and it's like well, I just. Think about the game as it's happening. It's just a game of football. Treat it equally. Who was and that I, wee I midget that played for the Pars that uh, went through Eddie Malone? Was it, um, I can't even remember his name. Um, Walking him. Aye, aye, him. Um, aye. That was exactly it. 45 seconds into our game and he's two foots Eddie Malone. 
and you're thinking, well, that's a red card. Didn't even, Aye, didn't even like, muster a reaction. And you see it again and again. It's like it doesn't matter if it's the first challenge in the game. You've got to just treat it equally and and set a tone of you can't be doing that. That's Aye. dangerous. And I say I think that's that's exactly what happens. Is he lets him away with one, and that's almost, I think subconsciously as much as anything, that has emboldened Sean McGinty. And then the next thing you know, two minutes later, he's he's you know flying around with his his feet up, and it's, I, I mean, is he? It doesn't it doesn't justify that. Sean McGinty has no way he can point to the referee and say, well, that's his fault. But mm. I think, as you say, if he gives the yell for the first one, that red card doesn't happen. Um. Let's move on from that, uh, from our, our kind of referee discussion, uh, and get on to uh, yeah, one of the um, assists of the season. I mean, aesthetically, as much as anything else, that's as lovely a cross as, you, as you're going to see from uh, from Ross Mellon. And then it's an excellent header as well. I mean, I, I I don't know about you other guys who were in the stand, but it was one of these that as soon as Vaughn got his head to it, I was like, it's such a shame that that's going to go over the bar. Because uh, that was a lovely cross, and somehow uh, he's managed to get it, um, you know, up and over the keeper, but um, but under the bar. Um, Carol, give us your thoughts on on that one, please. I'm quite similar to yourself, but on Ray TV, you saw that cross coming in, and I thought, oh, that's going to just go off his head, and it's going to go over the bar. But it's a beautiful cross, and it just hit the back of the net, and you're... that didn't go in, did it? And it was beautiful. It was just, I don't know if he was falling into it or diving into it but something just brought that ball down under the bar because originally it was just thought it was going to go come across ping off his head and over into the stand it was lovely not going to see a cross like it that's it and yeah you mean the keepers just get no chance for that no um aye uh, um, uh, Leslie you come in on that one as well please yeah I mean I think so what I took away from that and we'll, we'll maybe come up with a bit later in the game as well I'm five foot six so I am all here for we guys scoring headers, you know. And so we had we had two from Eden Connolly down at Capilo, you know. We had a couple for for for, for um, Louis last night as well. And it's just a testament to the quality of balls that uh, Millen and Mullen are putting in. I mean, that is just an exquisite ball, you know. And again, it put me in the mind of the one that Josh Mullen put in for Vaughan against Dundee United earlier in the season. It's just a fantastic ball in. Um, I mean, the, the only other thing I would say is just to go back to something that Robbie picked up on earlier. Last season, we're not scoring so many goals from inside the box. You know, we, we maybe scored a lot of goals. If we scored four goals in a game, we'd have screamers coming in from, from Connolly and Easton. We are so much more dangerous in the box. And part of it is just the quality of the delivery. So it was a, a lovely goal and a, a nice way to, to end the half. Yeah, definitely. Um Anybody else want to come in on uh, on that goal? Yeah, I mean, I think the the header itself was actually, it was more like a curled shot. That's what it felt like. When you see it on the, the highlights, it's like he's just curled it with the outside of the foot into the top corner, um, but just using the top of his head instead. Very different as the goal that he sealed his hat-trick with. But um, yeah, just again, Ross Milne, fair play. Um, such a good ball into the box, just the, the cross itself and... He's, it's one of those ones where we all know that he's got that in his locker and it's just nice having a right back that can offer that as well. It's not one of these ones where you'll see a swing and a hit and a hope. There is a bit of culture to it um, and uh, an aesthetic degree that he has. Um, so yeah, just a really good goal in general. 
Yeah, it was good as well for Vaughn. He's just he's not tried to do anything fancy. He's literally just used the pace of the ball and just guided it. Because you do get like Jack Hamilton had a header early in the half where he's kind of had to use a bit of his own sort of force, and it went just into the keeper's hands. But uh, I, I would like to think Jack Hamilton would have just done something similar also, just guiding it, and it's went over perfectly into the net. But no, I, I agree that Ross Millen, that I think as me and Blair were speaking about it last night after the game, the right-hand side is just so lethal for a cross ball when you've got Mullen and Millen. I almost feel like I want to move uh, Mel, uh, Mullen over to the left just so that you've got two sides doing it. Because Liam Dick, he had one time he overlapped somebody last night and he actually got a good ball in the box. I'm going, well, see what you can do when you actually overlap. But uh, now nah, I feel like at times it might be good to get somebody on that left. I know that Easton's fine, but he's not, he's somebody that's going to beat a man. He's not somebody that sticks a lot of balls in the box. So I'd like to see if maybe at some points we can maybe put Mullen over to the left just so you've got both of them doing it. Because then they've got something to worry about at either side. Yeah, uh, you're not right predictable now, down the right. Aye, right now they, they know that we've got a hell of delivery that's about to come in for the right, but at the left they're going, well, you can leave Liam Dick B because he's not going to do much going forward. So it, it's that. But I also thought it was good to see, yet again, it was a quick kick that we scored from it was just put the ball down, play, and they weren't set yet in their 10 because it just came from the red card. So to get that goal, that's when I thought, oh, we're going to kick on here, just the way that we, we started. But yeah, that didn't happen. He actually, if you watch the highlights, he, he, he actually has to duck a little bit to get underneath yeah. uh, the header. Like the technique there, again, just frightening. And for a guy his stature, he's really good in the air. Like, and he, he never really scores headers where he's, you know, like, like, Getting up and trying to beat a man or whatever, because it's just no, it's it's never going to happen for him. Yeah, but he's he's very very good um, with a header. Um, it's actually yeah. been incredible to think that Vaughn could have maybe arguably because there was a chance that deflected off him in the first half. There was like a shot that looked like it was going in, and then it deflected wide off yeah. him. And again, that's one that might end up in the net off Vaughn, and you're giving him the goal. And then as well in the second half, right at the end. He had that diving header. He could have had a hat trick of headers last night, um, yeah, yeah. which would be ridiculous for Lewis Vaughn to say. But again, it's he does, to be fair, he, I know a lot of people look at him in his stature, but he does get quite a lot of headed goals. Like he scored against Queen's Park this season. He got a headed goal against Dunfermline before in the Derby um, when we played them at Starks Park in the Scottish Cup. Like he's got that aspect to his game that people kind of underrate in a way. Um, so yeah. Definitely. I think it's yeah, worth pointing out as well. Blair, sorry. sorry, just to that last point that you made that, you know, he's scoring these headers, he's not going up against, you know, he's not out jumping a centre half to do it. But that is to give him all the credit in the world for making the runs and finding the space. You you don't get free headers by accident, you know, yeah. most of the time. And that that goal, I think, is is the perfect example of that, where he's well aware that they're a centre half down. You know, they waited until half time to, to put a second one back on again. And he's he's in that space, and um, as that's that's a very deliberate action, and I, and I think he gets gets huge credit for these headers that he's he's scoring. He's in the right place at the right time, and that's that's a skill, that's a, a technique that he's got. See, um, another again to go back to the one that Leslie used earlier, Dundee United at home. Josh Mullen puts the ball in, and then he's 
unmarked in the centre of the box, heads it off the post. Very unlucky that that doesn't go in as a header and then gets a rebound. So, fair play to him. I think it's the biggest improvement in his game this season has been space finding. His skills and everything are out of this world, but just getting into those spaces unmanned or unwatched has just been something very different this season. It's the the off-the-ball play, I think, is something different as well. We're all talking about great ball skills and Dylan Easton coming up, but it's the space that other players are finding that's uh, something that I've noticed that this season is just a little bit better than it has been in previous seasons. I think last night as well, I was going to say, just it's worth pointing out before we get to the second half, because obviously it kind of all changed in the second half. But um, I thought Lewis Vaughan was incredible in that first half. It's probably the best 45 minutes he's had this season. He's had some good games and stuff, but actually it was a game where Easton it just wasn't coming off for him. Nothing was yeah. working. Um, I, I, I kind of across the board, it wasn't working. Hamilton, I thought, did well. He was he was physical and he was a, a focal point that we've talked about, um, and he was good. But I thought Vaughn's movement and he's 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 dropping in and he's passing and moving and the the goal he scored, I, I thought he was he was absolutely superb in that first half. He really. I think was. that's a a bit of the gambit with this team is that like you're always going to have one player on their day, hopefully. Um. Last week it was Dylan Easton with a moment of magic. A few weeks ago we had Callum Smith and Aidan Connolly come off the bench against Partick. Um, and then you look at like the Arbroath game and you look at last night and Lewis Vaughan just delivering these moments. There's always, as the good thing about this team is there's always someone somewhere in that team that can stand up and sort of just drag them by the collar and pull it through, even if players aren't having good performances, which again will probably will come into when we talk about the second half. Yep. And just just a final point on that. I think if you're if you're gonna play a relatively kind of orthodox front two, I think it's Vaughn and Hamilton is the one for me that has the highest kind of ceiling. Yeah. So we we've seen a few of them recently. So it was uh, Vaughn and Smith at Tanadice. It was uh, Smith and Gullen at Arbroath. Um Hamilton and Gullen at Hamilton. Um, a few weeks back as well, but to me, it's yeah, it's it's Vaughn and Hamilton where you're getting the the best out of those two. And I think what we've not really seen, and obviously I've just listed all the different partnerships there, is we've not really had like a consistency for for two players to go and actually like build up an understanding. But I think just those two guys being able to do what they do best, you get the the kind of the the best results out of it. And and as you say, yeah, certainly, um, first half. Vaughn was excellent and and was the kind of the standout. Um, and if we, the most, no, just very quickly on that point about the partnerships, I think they're the most different from each other. Yeah. So we've got kind of two ends of a spectrum, and I think the one thing that that frustrates me a little bit about Jamie Gullen is that he's somewhere in between the two. Yeah, he's I was not, thinking that. Not there. Jack Hamilton, but he's not Lewis Vaughn, and he's kind of caught in this grey area in between where he's. He's not quite as good as Jack Hamilton at doing the Jack Hamilton things, and he's not as good as Lewis Vaughan at doing the Lewis Vaughan things. And Smith's actually very similar to that. So when you get these players playing together, they kind of almost cancel each other out because they're they're all trying to do the same thing. Whereas Vaughan and Hamilton, very, very, very different from each other. Listen, we've we've seen a lot of that in in kind of previous seasons as well, where you've got all these all these forwards, but none of these strikers. And you see that Smith and Smith and Gullen are, are very good examples of it, where 
I've listened, we've talked about this before, but like Gullen in particular, he goes wide and he goes and he gets the ball and he gets into really good spaces and then he looks up at the box and there's nobody there because it's supposed to be him. And Smith, to an extent, is the same. Smith, I think, is slightly better at um, kind of swapping hats. You know, yeah. if, you, if, if you're playing Callum Smith as a striker, he's slightly better at retaining that kind of um, focus and, and trying to do that. But yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean by that. It's like, um, it, I really, I suppose what it is, is that um, Jack Hamilton is the most out-and-out out number nine that we have, and Lewis Vaughan is the most out-and-out out sort of old-style number 10 that we've got um, in terms of a, a forward doing that. Um, but if we if we just kind of hit pause for a second, I want to kind of think about things as it was at halftime. Right? So we were 2-1 we were up. Air United were down to 10 men. Murray had obviously had to make his substitution earlier in the half, but half, uh, what, 35 minutes gone when Stanton went off. And he put, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, he put Hamilton, sorry, Vaughn kind of into Stanton's position and brought Callum Smith on, so then he went up front. At half time, was there anybody looking at that and wondering if that was the right decision? Would anybody at that point in the first half and then going to go in into half time, would anybody have made a different change? Uh, Scott, you're nodding your head. What would you have? Um, what would your preference have been? I, I mean, I, t- I turned to my dad and said that I would bring on Connolly more for it's somebody that will give you more legs that can go. I, it was also more to put Dylan Easton inside because I thought he wasn't getting any joy out wide. So I thought, why not try whether you put Connolly on the left or Mullen on the left? It doesn't really matter. But I would have then had Connolly on, move Dylan Easton in one, and it means that then it's given their midfield more of a problem than their fullback because it wasn't Easton wasn't getting too much joy out of that fullback, uh, and it wasn't coming off for him. So why not try someone else? I do also think just with Sam Stanton going off, you're losing a lot of legs in there in, in terms of Lewis Vaughan does a lot of great work, but he's going to do nowhere near the running what Sam Stanton does. So it was all right, as you said, for the 10 minutes that it got us to half time. but I still think that I, Calm Smith does a lot of running and, he, and he's very quick and whatever, but again, he's somebody that's he's a forward, he's not a midfield player. So I think Connolly, for me, would have been the sub that I would have made, but it also didn't surprise me that Ian Murray went to a striker. He does that a lot of the time. So, and at the same time, I'm not going to argue with him because he's done very well this season uh, in terms of his subs. So, it, he, he clearly thought, him and Mickey, that that was the right one to do, but I personally would have brought on Connolly at the time. Yeah, so, so I think we'll probably expand the discussion a little bit to, to include the kind of two Air United goals after half-time as well. So uh, Dempsey um, got kind of shot from outside the box into the bottom corner, and then Chalmers, who was excellent all night, to be fair, um, a really, really good finish. I I think you're absolutely right, Scott, in terms of like Ian Murray has been making these decisions all season, and we've talked especially recently about the fact that he goes braver than you would expect. He goes braver than most. And it's been working for him all the time. So so I don't think any of us are going to start, you know, criticizing him or, or calling him out for doing it last night and it, it didn't really come off. Uh, and then, you know, the way that you kind of want it to from a position of being two one up with, with ten men. 
I think with the benefit of hindsight, and I, I wasn't sitting in the stand saying this last night, with the benefit of hindsight, I think the change uh, when Stanton goes off for me is probably Dan O'Reilly coming on um, to, to move Scott Brown into the midfield. Because what you what you miss with Sam Stanton is so, so much. He basically does the work of two midfielders. Yeah. And this is why this system that we've been using, so we've just been talking a minute ago about front twos, because we've been playing this sort of 4-1-3-2. Nobody plays that. It's 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 really top heavy. It's it's like just there's no other side in this division that's routinely going, oh, just play a back four, one holder midfielder, and then just a load of attackers. Because you'd get turned over constantly. It's 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 madness, to be honest, to be doing it. And we've been talking him up for doing it for weeks. I'm I'm not for a second rolling back on that. But I think last night was kind of the the tipping point of like, oh, this is what should happen most yeah. of the time. Well, but it's I was Sam about... Stanton masks that completely. Sorry, mate, I'll let you come in a second. Sam Stanton masks that completely because he's basically playing as your number 10 in your front three, like your kind of your forward three, and playing as a holding midfielder at the same time. He just covers both. And um, so you're, you're almost, it's like you, you get an extra man. Which is is ludicrous, but he, he does he does it so so well, and the the greatest example of it is when you take him out last night, and then suddenly you can see you've still got the same number of players, you've still got a, an extra player compared to the opposition, but you can see Sean Byrne, who as we've said normally seems to be seeing the game in slow motion, multiple times, particularly in that second half, you can see him looking around like, where's my mate gone, <laughs> and it's like because he's just. He's almost used to playing in a two, despite the fact that nominally there shouldn't be anyone else there. And I think that's the hole that appears. And what that ends up, what ends up happening with that, and I see, I think both goals really show this, is that we weren't getting the benefit of our extra man because our extra man was 20 yards behind, you know, 20 yards further out of the park than the ball was. Mm. So air, I thought Dowds was excellent. I mean, if you had to play with 10 men, you really are not going to get a better setup than um, uh, Logan Chalmers and uh, the boy Amarty playing off of Anton Douts. They were just continually anytime they knocked the ball out of their midfield, they were winning 30 yards because Douts is taking care of the defenders, Chalmers is running it, Amarty was running it 40 yards anytime he got it. We couldn't get near him. And the problem was that our extra man was, um, and this is this is not to criticise him as an individual at all, but in that system, basically it becomes Lewis Vaughn. He's kind of gone into Stanton's position, but he's just not going to do that job that um, Stanton does. He's going to score a hat-trick, which is great and is what you want him to do. But what you need to do, though, is then also compensate for that further down. And I think it's having the extra man that far up the park didn't really help us too much. I think if if we'd been able to get O'Reilly into the defence and Brown into the midfield earlier, I think it would have given us a more kind of solid base to build from. And it's maybe then, obviously completely hypothetical, it's maybe then a game you win 3-2 as opposed to one that, that ends up kind of four each. Um, 
But uh, Robbie, sorry, uh, coming on that. No, no, absolutely fine. Um, what I was going to say is that I felt that I fully agree with what you've said there. Um, I did not go to Fur Hill on the opening day of the season. Um, so I can't really comment on what the, the patterns of play were like that day because I only saw the highlights. But for me, it felt like the first time since that last game of the League Cup group stages against Annan, where they had the boy Benjamin Lassant, is it? The, yeah. the centre midfielder who would just pick the ball up and he would just advance with it and I feel like you're absolutely correct with what you say when we've not got Stanton in that system because it's almost like having a number 10 combined with a whole midfielder mm-hmm. when we don't have them there you just lose that aspect of someone being able to track as deep as Stanton can and be able to do that dirty work Um and that was really last night the first game that I feel like we've been properly exposed for playing that formation um, but then again, when we move to the three at the back and we get Scott Brown, in which again I'm jumping a bit further forward because we've still got a few goals to discuss, the change there was huge. Like Scott Brown just added such a presence to that midfield, and I would love to see Scott Brown playing back more regularly in the midfield. But again, that's a decision for Ian Murray to make. Um, and as and when that happens, I'm sure we'll know all about it because he has such a class act. So, yeah. Can I just jump really far forward for a second? Um, yeah, of course. So, um, the one of our more, uh, shall we say, statistically minded fans on the on the, on the forums from the, the across the Atlantic reckons that Burn may be suspended for our growth, and so then maybe that this is just the natural point for Brown to come back into the midfield. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was just going to say. So that was Burns sixth booking i think and you could see when he got the booking he was sitting with his head in his hands i think he had a very conscious thought in his head through that game it's like i'm just not going to get booked i'm not going to get booked today because it resets after that our broth game so if he doesn't get booked today didn't get it doesn't get booked last night and doesn't get booked after our broth he then gets another six bookings to play with but um his booking categorically was a, it was definitely a, a stuck on yellow card but i think it's I think we're we're led to believe it's seven days after you get your sixth booking that you're suspended. So because that was a Friday night, and it's it Saturday we play our role. So I so also one of his six bookings was at Easter Road in the cup. Oh, was it? Aye, uh, so he's got five in the league. Oh right, okay. Oh maybe. So, he's not oh, he didn't. But I do. I did see him with his head in his hands. I right. thought it was just him going. Oh, it's just a silly foul to make. But at the same time, it was a foul to make because otherwise they weren't away but uh, I think he was more annoyed at himself being out of position I think than anything but grab your giant blue Stetson and get cracking on that one Mr Tex Rover for that I think um, sorry to, to your point Liz, I think you're absolutely right I think if if um, Sean Byrne is suspended then I think that's exactly what you'll see is that Dan O'Reilly comes back into the defence Scott Brown goes back into the midfield and it's it's possibly the end of the Scott Brown as defender experiment, which over the piece has been wildly successful. But I think in Anton Dowd's last night, you really saw how that could be exploited. And it was more it was more the secondary stuff than, than anything else. So primarily Dowd's was going up against Murray. But you can see then it's Scott Brown, he's able to do the one-on-one stuff pretty well, surprisingly well. For, for a midfielder, he wins his headers, he wins his tackles, he tracks his man. But when Dowds has taken Murray out of position 
and then the second ball's coming in, you can see that's where Brown's maybe not quite so hot on the positioning. Um, I think it's Dempsey's goal, where he's he's kind of, he's almost, not quite, but he's almost kind of keeping himself out of the road. He's yeah. kind of, he's got the, the opportunity to, to block it, and he's just not, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a split second, and he's just not quite quick enough to be where he, where he needs to be. So, yeah, I suspect we'll see Dan O'Reilly back in. Um, I'm not so sure. I, I, I mean, O'Reilly's under contract till January. So he's only, I mean, our growth will be his, technically his last game because he'll, he'll be out of contract by the time the pars come round, I believe. Um, I, I, the, the fact that he dropped him, put him on the bench and, and hasn't played him again, I'm beginning to wonder whether he's no part of the plan. Like whether whether he's yeah, actually... Whether he's, that player. He's, he's decided that he's got money to spend and he's got other places he wants to spend it. With Keith Watson coming back um, into fitness as well, he's got Dylan Corr on the bench. Does he really want another centre-half taking up a space on the bench? I, I'm no sure. I, I, to agree with your earlier point, it's 100% the substitution that I would have made. Um, it's also 100% substitution that pretty much every manager, as you've alluded to, in the Champions, Championship would have made. Um, but Murray's kind of brave way of doing things, it's paid off way more than it hasn't. So you kind of you kind of criticise the guy. I I joked a few weeks ago about you know um, uh, Sean Byrne playing in a midfield three with Sam Stanton on either side of him. But you, as you've said quite rightly, it it was glaringly obvious once he was gone that gap. My concern with the two holding midfielders as we go back to the the only defeat we've had in the league this season at Airdrie, where he played the two holding midfielders and the gap between front and back was massive. Like, and it was, we never, ever got going in that game. But I, I felt like the the change that Murray made with a red card, it kind of changed the flow of the game a little bit more than it could have done. Like, for me, it's, it's one each. They're down to 10 men. You're at home. Keep the ball. Like you've got a you've got a long game, you've got a lot of very good attackers on the park. I just felt like we should have I think Brown into the midfield would have just given us the opportunity because you're going to have a lot more possession with 10 men. Do you know what I mean? I'm just gonna correct you there, Blair. It was two one at halftime, mind. Because no, I'm, I'm talking about the substitution. He made the substitution with Sam Stanton. So, ah, yeah. All right, I yeah, thought you meant so at halftime. No, no, no. When he made the substitution, I actually don't think it was the right substitution in the first place. Like I think it just kind of, I suppose actually the red card hadn't happened, so that maybe doesn't come into the the, the run of play quite, yeah. quite the same. But um, yeah, it just it felt like we never really got a foothold in the game. We never got a hold of the ball. We never an uncharacteristically poor Sean Byrne um, just never got going. It's such a strange kind of that that second forty five minutes are really strange. And the goal that the as you've kind of got to the them. Scoring that goal from the edge of the box, it was just we stood off and we stood off and Murray stood off and like Dabrowski seemed to go down quite late. I, I, I'm I don't want to be critical of well, we're going to be, but I don't want to be critical of him on that goal. I, I kind of felt like he could have got a hand to it. It just didn't seem to. It was a very un big Kev kind of perform- even the first goal actually. Yeah, to an extent. I think they were the opposite of like you know how there was the chances for like Chris Mockery last week for Dundee United where there were sort of low shots that Kev parries out um out wide. It kind of felt like it was the opposite of those last week. But again I'm very loath to criticize 
No, totally. It, you just seemed a bit flat food last night. Like the one thing we've always talked about is his ability to get down. Like for a big goalie, he gets down really, really well. And like when you see the save last week, he, he like he springs. Do you know what I mean? It's this big, huge stretch and dive. And last night he just seemed to kind of it was different. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just better. I'm going to ask something know. about that. I'm going to come in and ask something. Those of you who are in the ground, so there was he took a knock at the end of the Dundee United game. And I'm not trying to make excuses for, for, for everything he did, but no. is there any possibility he was maybe not quite 100% and that just took that wee edge off his, his athleticism? I don't think that's the worst suggestion to make. Yeah, I don't think there was any kind of visible evidence of that. And in the same way that there was at Tanadice, where he was very, very clearly, he was holding his side and holding his hip. There wasn't any of that, but I mean, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a, a huge leap to say that he's still kind of feeling the effects. But I, I know exactly what you mean, Blair. It's don't, like If you had to to kind of rank Kevin Dubrovsky's abilities, like what is he very best at? I think at the top of that, you'd be like, well, yeah, getting down to these shots towards the bottom corner. And as you say, Robbie, two into his left-hand side that he did very, very particularly uh, Louis Moltz that was moving around all over the place. And then for whatever reason, yeah, last night it just wasn't there. But I mean, far from the only Rovers player who was who was kind of off their usual standard. Um, uh, sorry, Carol, and you come. Yeah, I was, I was like, air wasn't, I don't want to say they were catching us on the break, but they were definitely trying to slow us right down and then just spring off. And I think Dabrowski last night just didn't have that spring. And I don't know if that's because on the inside match day, you could see him limp down the, the tunnel with Dundee United. And I just don't think he had that spring to get down low and maybe subconsciously he's like not, because the air were definitely just, we'll slow them down, they'll slow them down, and then bang, we'll go. But not catching on the break, not drawing us back in, but just slowing everybody down. And I had to remind myself through the second half, we've got an extra player here, but you cannot tell. You cannot tell at all. No, it's, and I think it's... that was the tactic, just bring us in, slow us down, and then spring off it. Yeah, I, I apologise. I cannot remember who said that. It was only about 20 minutes ago. Someone said last season, um, you know, we didn't really score any goals in the box. They were all coming from outside the box. That was exactly what Air United did to us last night. Yeah. Um, you know, Anton Dowd's a very, very good striker, but they were using him in the way that we've used Jack Hamilton to best effect this season, which is he's the focal point, and then you've got your good players coming off him. And um, I thought Logan Chalmers in particular was excellent. And yeah. as much as um, Amarty on the other side was maybe more kind of visibly kind of bringing them up the park, the quality that Chalmers has got. And I think the the third goal, um, the one that he scores, I think we had gone to the back three by that point, which again, very early, very, very bold. Um, and he just absolutely takes Liam Dick completely out of the game, um, yeah. which there's not many players in the division who just got that level of technical ability. Um, you know how and, we talk about Sean Byrne seeing things in slow motion. I think with Chalmers, it's like he's, it's, I use this analogy a wee bit, but it's like it's watching someone playing against someone else on FIFA when they've got lag because it's just <laughs> like he just starts off one place and then he just appears another. Just like it's almost like he's just a second ahead of where that play actually is. Um, fair play, looks a brilliant player. Um, just again, a really, really good performance from him last night. And I think it's quite important to, to give credit where credit is due because a lot of that is down to how Lee Bullen and Air set up. Um so yeah. 
sitting. And Leslie, I think you wanted to to make a point on this. Or, I'm sorry, I think it was a very good point that you made in terms of both um, Logan Chalmers and Anton Dowds being loan players who are at Air United. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you can't you can't really take away from the fact that defensively we were rotten. However, if you'd have done the United fan and you were watching those highlights, having not scored against Queen's Park and not scored against us, you're watching that and you're wondering why Logan Chambers has been loaned out. If you're a Partick fan who's seen an arse collapse after Brian Graham comes off and Tony Adeloy comes on, you're seeing that and you're asking why is Anton Dowd's been loaned out? So, you know, I think, I think you have to realise that as well. I mean, that's our, kind of our two kind of main title rivals have loaned out an attacking player to another team where they're going on and playing brilliantly and that's taking away an option that they can have. So I think, I think it's important to recognise that too. I was just going to say that. It's absolutely baffling. Like, Scott and I were talking about this in, in, the, in the club last night, but, I mean, Dundee United last week are screaming out for Logan Chalmers to come on. Absolutely screaming out for him. Partick, I've, I've gone with, what's his face, Adeloy. Right, over... You'd have doubts over Adeloid every single day. Baffling. Like, and not just that, why would you loan them to teams in the same league? It's just... And to be fair to, to Air United, they're flipping coming up quids up in this. Like, they've got two players who... They're the best two players in their team, and they're not even their own players. And they're... But then I suppose they're, no, they're, they're both not able to play against the teams that, that they come from. But a really strange setup. I mean, I, I I agree with what you said, Duncan. I thought Anton Dowds last night was brilliant. He was really good. He he did everything Jack Hamilton does, but but against us, and we had no answer for it. And Scott Brown in particular. I know we've given him a lot of credit, um, but I mean, you've got to be balanced. You've got to do it the other way as well. Like he gave Scott Brown an absolutely torrid night. Like Brown did not get close to him, um, winning headers, bullying him, and. Yeah, we just had no answer for it at all. No, again, I said last night, I don't know that any of that back four have played as bad individually. Uh, as, not as bad, as, as poorly, um, compared <laughs> to their own standards um, as they did last night. At any point, like any of them as individuals, as bad as all of them more or less did last night. Um, Ross Millen, I don't think, was, was dreadful by any means, but still, the what amount of... The amount of running that Amarte's doing down that side, you you need more. Um, and then your yeah, Murray and, and Brown never look comfortable really at any point. The and then you probably have to include Sean Byrne in that as well because it is it's all that all those goals basically are coming from the space between the defence and the midfield. Um, and we just never got to grips with it. Never never really um worked out a plan of of how to deal with that. And I think I see that's where. Your four, and then your one in front that only works when Sam Stanton's there. I, th- I think we needed a quicker um, adaptation to that. We kind of watched the same thing happen too many times. I think um, as a club, um, it might be worth mentioning as well just now that I know that there's sort of plans and it's been mentioned and touched on upon before. This is really where you need a club to have a like us have a, a reserve team that can just be made up of both community lads and to bed in. So your likes of, for instance, like straight away, you you would have Adam Masson, Callum Hanna going in 
um, playing there straight away every week in terms of reserve football. But then you get guys like Ross Matthews and potentially Keith Watson, even if he's like in the next few weeks, they can come in back and play in that. And that's really where like we, other teams in the league, do have sort of reserve setups and we don't. And I think that's the, the difficulty for us because it's in this period of transition as a club that, that really that's where we've got that difficulty because ideally if you can bring on Ross Matthews in there yep. then you've got that option as well um, rather than sort of saying ah, Ross Matthews it's his first game and pretty, I know that he's had a couple of pre-season games but he's not had many so how's he going to handle going into a, a sort of high octane fixture like that um, but again it's something that the club are working on something that the club know about and that they've got their own plans that they'll be no doubt looking at so yeah I'll come in after because this will take it in a different direction. All right, okay. So just really quickly, I'd spoken to Scott about this in the, in the club again last night, but the one word um, that Ian Murray used in his, his pre-match was complacency and how we couldn't let complacency slip in. And for me, last night was complacent all over the pitch. Um, I think them going down to 10 almost heightened it, though. Like, it was just we... It was like we just thought we were going to just kind of cruise to to victory, really. Like, we stood off them and we never really got kind of going. We never took control of the game in a way that we really have this season. Like, it's the one thing you could actually say about this team is that we take the game to the opposition. We talked about it. Second half at Dundee United was a perfect example. We go at teams. And last night, it was like they just thought we don't need to go at them. And they absolutely needed to go at them. And that, um, I would add to that as well, 100% fed into the atmosphere, certainly in the South Stand. I, I've said before at that part of the game, they lost their rag. Last night, you were hearing all the football managers come out. And I get that everyone's entitled to their opinions. But when you've got people advising players left, right, on centre, what they should be doing. Personally, for me, I find that infuriating because they're professional players and you know they know what they're doing. It's their job. And it's not for... I want to try and none of them are going out and maliciously sabotaging our our team. Um, But at the same time, I can fully understand why people are frustrated when you see, like, for instance, incident in the second half where two players collide together and the the air player comes out the other side with the ball. That was just our luck last night. Um, And again, it'll be symptomatic. There'll be explanations for it. There'll be data that'll be there that the club will no doubt use and be able to like look back at the video analysis and go through it all. But yeah, I feel like just after that Dundee United game, it was such a high. You said right at the start, player hangover. Um, and that was definitely what it felt like. But at the end of the day, there does need to be perspective, a lot of perspective about where we're at and how things are. But we'll come back to that when we're talking after the after the rest of the game. Uh, Leslie, I think you had a point to make there. I, I was just going to say something very briefly, which is you, so the start went off. And we're talking about the kind of big hole in the midfield. There was a perfectly fit, match sharp senior midfielder who we've been talking for an hour and have not mentioned once, Scott McGill. I had to actually go back on my phone yeah, and check to see that he'd actually been on the bench. Because yeah, the, the other logical thing that he could have done just to kind of shore up that midfield, if Matthews isn't fit, is pop Scott McGill in there. And yeah. okay, he's not like yeah. Sam Stanton level of, of excellent, but he's perfectly solid perfectly functional and he would, might have just given us that, that wee bit of extra kind of control in the middle. 
I think it's Ian Murray's. Ian Murray's kind of default mode seems to be to try and like thrive off the chaos almost. Yeah. Um, which has worked again, worked really, really well so far. Um, so it's not a criticism at all, but it's in a case like last night where you have an advantage. You know, literally, you have an extra man that you know playing a straight bat should actually work in your favor. We almost over gambled on yeah. you know trying to get all the forward players on and, and left ourselves a little bit. Have you ever seen the film uh, The Big Short? Yes. Yeah, it's like uh, the section in that where it's um, Selena Gomez and the professor of economics in the uh, casino and they're talking about the hot hand fallacy where like your luck's in, everything seems to be working. This has been working time and time and time before so we'll just keep doing this. And that was kind of what last night felt like. We know that this works because we've done it so many times before. We'll maybe not use Scott McGill, we'll maybe not go to Ross Matthews, etc. Um, and that kind of sort of backfired on us uh, last night. But again, we can learn from it. So that's the main yeah. thing. And then to be fair, I mean, you can see a world where um, rather than it going to 2-2, if the Rovers get to 3-1, you, you could start then, then to really, um, with that side, really start to to kind of, you know, maybe knock another couple in. It's not really the Rovers' way, and it's certainly not how it panned out. But I mean, you can see the theory. There's nothing. Again, I think it's worth repeating. You know, we're we're all we're having this conversation with a benefit of hindsight, and it's it's based on what happened after that. We weren't, you know, um, having a lot of these thoughts at the time. But it's definitely, it's what you get with Ian Murray, yeah. and. Um, yeah. But you can't praise them for it one week and then criticize exactly. them. Next yeah, 100%. Week. That's exactly it. If, if you want to talk about credit in the bank, bear in mind, we also didn't lose this game. You know, we yeah. still, still you know, took a point. It's and when you think that we beat Air United at Somerset, so, you know, four points from the first two games against Air, you would take that at the start of the season, um, let alone all the other points we've got from everybody else. Um, that's like, this is the price you pay. That's that's the, the chance you take. And uh, he's he's well up. On his uh, on his balance. Um, well, let's let's move on just a little bit then. So the um, what would it have been three first was equal, the penalty kick first equaliser for us was it? Yeah. no, the second. <laughs> I get no idea, man. I really don't. It was a penalty kick. Um, that Jamie Gone did did really well to win. It's it's a lovely little bit of footwork. Um, he's you know, pretty he decent at that, that for us. Slotting him for being out on the, move, drifting out to the wing. He's doing all right for getting. Uh, penalties for us because he got the one against uh, Queen's Park as well. It's difficult to win penalties out on the wing, to be fair. Um, <laughs> but no, sorry, he does do he does very very well. He goes back to goal, he brings it down well, kind of turns one defender, and then it's one of these that you can't even really criticise the defender who trips him. He's just not um, he's just not quite quick enough with his feet. It's definitely a penalty. Um, after the I had a horrible feeling about that penalty. I was like, oh, this isn't the evening. This looks when like you this. see the, the keeper moving about in the goals and you're thinking, oh, nah. I was like, nah, I'm not convinced about this. But uh, once again, uh, in a recurring theme, I was instantly proved wrong and but, uh, quite nicely so. See, as soon as it went to 3 all, you're thinking, we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. We're getting another goal in the last five minutes. We're going to win this 4 3. Like yeah. straight, me and my mate were giddy with excitement. We were like, oh, can I believe it? We're going to do it again. This is going to be hilarious. This is going to be a great laugh. Dundee United fans will be raging. I know it's what we're about to get onto, but I actually did think that, and I still think we would have done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think. Had, on... it, had it not been for that which is about to be named, um, I genuinely 
I genuinely, genuinely think. And even when that did happen, and I said, well, I was like, there's still another couple of chances in this game because there was still time. Yeah, but- that was that was one thing. Basically, after every single thing that happened in the second half, I was like, there must only be five minutes left. Yeah. And there was still loads of time. I mean, even the penalty with 10 minutes plus stoppage time after that. And um, I, yeah, I think that was the overriding feeling on the ground was like, you know, we've we've done this before. We're we're gonna go and do it again. And that in itself, to be honest, is probably a bit of um a bit of kind of complacency sneaking in and a little bit of uh, hubris yeah. almost. Um, because yeah, very quickly, um, Air United get themselves back on, back in front. Uh, now I think the other thing with this. To, to add to the feeling of, oh, it's happening again, Lee Bullen, and I mean, again, he gets a load of credit for the way that they've managed that game. Get a point away at Starks Park, down to 10 men. But he was doing his level best. Like, we, we've spoken already, uh, you know, throughout the course of this podcast. Amarte is absolutely running the show on the left. Logan Chalmers is the best player on the park on the right. And Anton Dowds is winning absolutely everything in the middle. And in fairly short order, Lieberman takes them all off. And I was like, he's Veldmaning of this again. Like, why did teams keep doing this against us? And um, Akeem Rose comes on, and I'm like, "Mm, I've not heard great things about this guy. Not convinced there's much to worry about with him. I was like, well, what's this? He's trundling one for 25 yards. That's all right. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, no, hang on. It's 4-3. Just, I... this, I don't know I if, think, if anyone wants to, to venture a, an explanation as to what they think let, happened here. Blair, do you want to go first? Because I can see you. Honestly, I I honestly could have cried. It was so bad. And it's one of them as well, like, do you know what? You, you, there's nothing you can say to him. There's nothing you can say about him. Because he knows. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You could do that a hundred times and that never happens again. But it's not very often that I see the Rovers concede a goal where I think to myself, I could have saved it. <laughs> but it was utterly awful. And he knows that. That's not, you know, that's not coaching or or mentality or it's a mistake. And do you know what? The one thing I'll say for him, there was 13 or 14 other Rovers players on that pitch last night who all made a mistake at least once. Yeah. Ian Murray made a mistake at least once. Um, every single one of them made a mistake. It just so happens when you're a goalkeeper that your mistakes are so much worse than everyone else's. But there's no way anybody could be looking at that and thinking that's systematic of anything other than a bad night at the office. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That it, is, just... fully agree with that. And I would say that to Kev, um, just directly. You're going to have games where you make wonder saves and you keep us in the match, and you've done that for us before. Last night was, regardless of whether we win or whether we lose, and mistakes happen or you make your wonder saves, you've got to reset and you've just got to go again because that's just the way of it. We're exactly the same point as we start the night. Um, I think that if you'd told us beforehand that if you look at Queen's Park as a side that we're seen as a bit weapon boys almost at this point, um, and then you look at Air, who are a team that are a bit on the up, and you told us that we would end the night in the same place. Fantastic. But, just got to get on with it and just move on, because it's it's happened and you are a good goalkeeper, so just head up and just move forward. And I think that was the response in general from the fans. It was 
naturally it's infuriating. Nobody's going to hide away from that, but we don't. Nobody needs to tell him that. Nobody needs to tell him that because he knows it himself. So just pick himself up and just move forward. Because aye, and, it's and just it's, just fundamentally these things happen. You see it happen yeah. at World Cups. You see goalkeepers. Hugo um, Lloris did it in the World Cup final um, for France. It's just, and it's, it's that thing. I don't know if it was maybe a case of, um, we walked down Pratt Street, my dad said after the game, and I thought, I could very well be. It's almost, the shot is so tame, he's thinking about what he's doing next. He's almost thinking, like, right, I'm going to, once I've got this, I'm going to see if I can get Ross away on the, that. Right, and it's just that little split second, because he, he gets behind it as much as anything. And it just, aye. I mean, even even if you don't gather that in, I think five times out of ten it rolls wide. It's just yeah. so unlucky that it, it does. It just it slithers off his glove into the corner, like in slow motion. You're like, that that shouldn't be happening. Uh, yeah, it's that one of these where you, you almost want to run out the stand and just run down and boot it away. It, it yeah. trickles over the line so slowly. But the body language well after was interesting. Sorry, Robbie. I was just going to say, run down the stand and give my fucking cuddle. <laughs> but that was the body language afterwards that. I think a couple of seasons ago, it would have just went flat, but everyone kind of went, we can still get this. And I think right. so even the fans had that, okay, we might not win this, but we, we're not going to lose this. Let's go. And I, it, I'm going to pick up on Louis Vaughan, the last couple of matches, has been like a little kid at Christmas with a football. Every time we go behind, he's back. They're going, come on. I mean, I think he's on a personal mission to try and become Rovers' top goal scorer in his, in his tenure because he is on it. And that what was different last night is even though Kev made a bit of a boo-boo and it slithered off his glove, nobody went nuts. Nobody turned against them. Everyone went, okay, we've still got five minutes. It's the golden hour. Let's go. That's it. And as, as you say, Blair, everybody made mistakes in that game. You know, there was there was nobody who came out of that um, with a kind of perfect performance. But what we did get out of it was a hat-trick from Lewis Vaughn. And, um, I mean, certainly I think it, it absolutely does help that we've had all these late goals recently. Because there was, there was still a lot of belief in the ground, and, and you could see that in the players as well. And um, the 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 surprising thing, if anything, is like the the quality of that goal and the the kind of measured nature of it. You, you kind of expect if you're going to score a a ninety first minute equaliser and a four each, that's going to be a a Rami and a, after a corner kick or something, but. Um, Again, not to not to repeat everything we've said previously about substitutes and all that kind of stuff, but the quality of that little chip into the box from Aidan Connolly, and yeah. then because um, that that again, I just I just don't think there's very many players in that position who managed to play such a good ball into that. Um, and then the header the is itself. excellent as well. Shades of Grant Anderson um, with that just, one, yeah. but um, yes, yeah, Scott. Yeah, give us your thoughts on that one as well, please. This will be the, uh, yeah. the, the first late goal you've got a chance to celebrate in person. <laughs> Without waking anybody in an apartment, I. It was a. Uh, it was so just. I, I almost didn't think it was gonna. Nothing was coming. I I was mid going. What are you doing, Connolly? And then oh, it's in the net. <laughs> so and then just everyone's turning around going, what is going on? Like it's just. As you say, like obviously it wasn't quite part of we like take the lead uh, late on, but it was still just the the buzz of getting making sure that you know right now I'm certain we're gonna get something for the game, and just because of how poorly it all went, you're just going right, get a point, get out of here, have Christmas, let's reset. It just 
There was just so many things, but that goal just, yeah, as I say, like, I was just baffled that he even went in. I think the keeper kind of looked behind as if, like, oh, that's not going in. And then, oh, it is. <laughs> Everyone, just, even the Air fans, I think they were kind of, half of them were already still celebrating, thinking they were winning the game. And then somehow it ended in, in the back of the net. But no, fair play to Louis for even just trying to do his utmost to just get it on target and it's managed to go in. Um, but no, it was uh, just baffling that whole goal, to be honest. The, um, I was going to say the groan when Connolly played, just what you're saying. He plays that little chip and there was an audible, oh, in the stand. And then he headers it and it goes in. But can I just say special mention to the, the Rovers fans who clearly were at their first game last night um, and left with about five minutes to go. Like, guys, have you not been watching this season? Where have you been? I mean, there was genuinely, it must have been about 30 or 40 folk went down those stairs and left. Before the final whistle, I'm like... To quote classic cool. uh, Christy Rabiti, this isn't luck, it's just Rafe Rovers. And I think that applies to everything about last night. That's it. And it's, it's, I mean, to talk about the game as a whole, like that, I think, is almost certainly that must be the poorest we've played all season. Oh, Because like, we get beat at Airdrie. Didn't they actually play particularly badly? At Airdrie, certainly the defence. We played better in the fine. Airdrie game than we did against Arbroath than we did last night, I felt. Yeah, that, 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 I think you're exactly right. I thought we were, weren't as good against Arbroath and we're very fortunate to get the win. But with that, when you're playing, if that's the poorest you can, well, not, not necessarily the poorest you can play, they could conceivably get worse. But if that's the poorest you have played all season and you've still scored four goals and you've still managed to take a point, that's really not a bad place to be at all. Um, and I think, Robbie, did you say we're three points off last season's total points? Yeah, we're, we're something like that, but to go back to the Dick Campbell, we're, we've got to be safe from relegation now, eh? So, let's uh, <laughs> let's just not. enjoy that, lads. Blair was banned in that around the club last night. <laughs> I was raising a glass to championship football. It's safe. Uh, <laughs> we're safe, boys. Um, something else to say, on a slightly more serious note, is I mean, we touched on it earlier, but outside of Dundee, United and Partick, I don't think there's as strong as an attacking lineup in the Championship, apart from ourselves, as Ayr. You know, if that's Arbroath, if that's Morton, even if that's Inverness, I'm not convinced any other team is going to score four against us when we play as abominably as that in defence. I think it's, so it's... all credit to Ayr. And, you know, the, the recruitment they do from down south, you know, these guys, Ehue at right back as well, Senga, you know, Amarty, the guys that they're finding and bringing up, I mean, as I say, you know, I know some of the Ayr fans grumble about Lee Bullen's substitutions, but they're doing something right in terms of recruitment. They improved so much when McGinty went off, though. It was actually a joke. Like, they looked so much better when McGinty just was not on the pitch. But the boy Jack Young in the middle of the park was very good as well. When you see a guy who's you know that that size and he's got number forty six on his back, you think right, this guy can't be any use. Um, Sp- but you know, the, special the, the, mission from uh, Graham Meldrum though as well. Uh, he just said in the WhatsApp, "Don't forget, guys, did the teams raise their game against the league leaders?" So that's from your resident ear homeboy. I was that, joking. I think the... the boy in midfield is it. I think it's young. But I wondered whether there was a a wee apostrophe and then a double apostrophe after the four and the six. You know whether it was four foot six because he was tiny in the middle of that park. But he was good. He like he really he, he did everything we didn't do and everything that actually 
Sean Byrne normally gives you that kind of slow the game down, get the get the foot on the ball, kind of spread the play about. Um, I think Air deserve a lot of credit actually. They they were they were good, and the word Robbie used was was context. Do you know what I mean? When you look at that game, it was it was Robbie. We weren't very good. We really weren't very good. Mistakes all over the place. Conceding goals we shouldn't be conceding, and making life way too hard for ourselves. But we are still five points clear. Dundee United drop points away to Queens Park. Like that's got to get mentioned at some point. That's rotten for them. Um, so that, so to come out of that with a point. Like I um, so Ian Murray said in his interview afterwards, you know, it's like even when teams go down to ten men in this division, they're still decent sides. Uh, yeah. Something I remember we talked about a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the Arbroath game, where it's like for me, I don't think there's any actively bad sides in the division. I think there are sides who have different deficiencies, and uh, like Arbroath in particular, I think are quite a limited side going forward. Um. United, I think, are the opposite. Their defence, you can see they don't have real standout defenders, particularly if one of them's going to get himself sent off after you know 40 minutes or whatever it was. But there's quality throughout all these sides. And actually, the one thing I would have said before last night was, well, probably except Queen's Park, who actually seemed to have dipped below that. They, they looked like they had dipped into actively a poor side for this level. And then they've they've gone and kept a clean sheet at home to to Dundee United, which, I mean, I I'd just written that game off. Scott, you said it last week. Like, you know, they've got two tough games coming up, and I was a bit like, well, one tough game. Like they've got Thistle at Tanadice will be tricky, but they'll run all over the top of Queens Park, and um, you know, obviously they didn't. So again, I think that's the thing that going into last night, if you'd said, "Look, well, you're coming out of this with with no bigger or no smaller a gap." To Dundee United, I'd have taken that before kickoff. Yeah, 100%. You know, two draws, or we both win, or we both lose. Even I was like, I take that. Um, you know, I think yeah. right now, a United at home probably is a tougher assignment than Queens Park away based on recent form. Um, well, bearing in mind, um, Dundee United only sneaked past themselves to get a one 0 win against there at home. <laughs> so it was scrappy then, isn't that Fotheringham goal? Yeah, really scrappy. Well. Again, just to, to go back, I think the thing is, just to reset, and I think that's universal, it goes for the squad, whether it's the formation in terms of where we're starting from, whether it's going to be the fan base in general, just as we as supporters, just keep the perspective on where we're at. If you told us that we were five points five points top clear um, at the table at Christmas, then you would be laughing. Um, so to be in that place... Bearing in mind, there's been a lot of bold statements that have been made outside of us. Um, Dundee United's chairman saying that they're going to get automatically promoted back up and relegation isn't a worry. You've already got people, and people will come for us as well. That's going to be coming as well. I had I put out um, BBC Sports Scotland that put out that article about... Um, oh, why, why Rafe Rovers should be worried about what's happened with Queen's Park. Should we? Like, completely different context of the situation. I had a, a, someone quote tweeting me that when we were 4-3 last night, like saying, oh, that's foreshadowing, if I ever saw it. And then I replied straight away because we'd just gone 4 all, And I was like, we're the same place as we started the night. Um, one bad game is not a write-off for our season. I think it's just one of those ones where we just have had a bad night, just move forward, and 
we've still got a very, very good team and we've got every reason for being optimistic heading into this new year. So just go to, it'll be a very different game against Arbroath, I feel. Um, it's a measure of where we are as well. Because yeah. see that game last night, if that was last season, we would have, if we had a podcast at that point, we'd be on here going, oh my God, that was amazing. We finished Aye. four each. Yeah. Like, that was incredible. And we're on here. And like it was Duncan said as well, remember, didn't they actually lose this game? Like yeah. we've dissected it to pieces and we've come away with a point. Like that's yeah. it's a measure of where we're at, though, that that's a bad day at the office. I'm just but wondering if, if now if I'm in this like positivity echo chamber now where I'm just like, nah, it's all going to be fine. We're all going to be great. And then I'll speak to someone in the stand like, what are you on about? I hate life. I'm like, Jesus. But that's if that's as bad as it gets, sign me up. Like Aye. that's you'd take that. And that, as you say, where the, you know, eight goals in a game like that, normally you could easily go two or three seasons. You know, I think you think of a, a Barry Smith side or even a John McGlynn side, you'd maybe go two or three seasons, you get one game like that, and you'd be like, oh. If it's a John McGlynn side, we're on the other side of it. We'll look at the Hamilton Aki's game at home, where Kai Fotheringham hit the bar in the final minute. Yeah. <laughs> I spoke to my mum on the phone this morning, and I said to her, she says, oh, how was the football last night? I was like, oh, it was crap. I was like, oh, did, they get, did they get beat? I was like, no, 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 they drew. She what was the score? Like four each. She went, oh, wow, loads of goals. I'm like, yeah, actually, with a bit of perspective, it wasn't actually all that bad. Yeah, we've we've definitely been spoiled for entertainment. We talked about value for money on uh, the half-season yeah. tickets. Certainly the, the first half of the season, we've had plenty uh, plenty of entertainment. It feels like every week you're getting a game that you, normally you would have to wait a good couple of years to, to get another one, and it's just happening all the time. That's and, 15, um, 15 goals in the last two home games. My mate, my mate, who he doesn't get Ridiculous. games regularly because he plays Saturday amateur football, and he said in the last three games that he's gone to, what is it, we've scored 11, and he's seen us concede seven. Um, in the last three games because he went to the Derby at East End the Partick game and then last night tremendous last it's night not... was just a palate cleanser for the sweet stuff that's to come I mean I it's to. so much better to do this imagine if you had done the United fan you've you've conceded seven goals all season but about 80% of what you're watching is just Declan Gallagher mopping things up and occasionally Louis Moult and Kai Fotheringham putting a tap in away this is much more exciting We've literally conceded as many goals in the last two home games as the United have conceded all season. <laughs> and we're still top of the league. Which is going to make it league. all the funnier if we do win the league. If we did win the league, it would be hysterically funny. Like, just, aye. They, they've it's also... Like, um, sorry, Scott. Sorry, Duncan, just quickly. They, they've also, I've noticed in the last three, four games, they've had almost 20 shots in every single one of them. I think they didn't have as many, obviously, against us, but the, other than us, they've had 20-odd shots with more than double figures on target. So they're clearly just not taking their chances, which, great, they're not taking their chances, but I do, I've do. i still got a feeling they've got a 5-6 coming at some point because they've done it to... They went to Partick and put five past them. So Aye. it's think... just a case of they're not getting their luck, I suppose, but, I mean, it's brilliant to watch that they're still struggling against Queen's Park. I mean... They've got. Yeah, the they played Dunfermline for that five six you're talking about, Scott. When did they play Dunfermline? <laughs> <laughs> that, that would just be sweet. I think as that well, would... it's important to remember that the January transfer window is coming up, and let's be honest, Dundee United are undoubtedly going to go in there, and even if they've not got the money, they're going to spend the money. Like there's been rumours floating about that they're going to get Simon Murray in, who, let's be honest, aside from being horrendously ugly, is uh, 
also exceptionally good at scoring goals against us. Um, so, yeah, um, I just feel like they'll go out and buy a few players and it'll be interesting to see what movement we make in January. But we should still have complete belief in this squad. And as I said before, there's always one player in our squad that's going to have the potential to do what Lewis Vaughn did last night, Dylan Easton did last week, or the two weeks before when we had Connolly and Smith come on and change the game. So, yeah, um, not the best day at the office, but still a good situation overall, I think is the, the fair summary to put. Yeah, are they still paying that Australian goalkeeper? Ah, he's like still four, on their books. Four or five bags a week to do absolutely nothing. Because I think offload him, that's a worrying amount of money they could reinvest. But uh, yeah, very funny in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, let's let's move on because we are we are racking up the time once again. Although I think to be fair, we had a lot to talk about in this one. Ah, you're so, not getting a forty-eight minute podcast out of that game. Let's be honest. No, we nearly, nearly had to break it down into, into chapters to the first half today and the second half tomorrow. I'll just um, put at the end, at the exits um, outro titles for this, I'll just put directed by Peter Jackson and then that'll be us. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I said last week that the podcast we did was a minute longer than Casablanca. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a real good use of everybody's time. So yeah, you're welcome. Um Right, so very quickly then, let's let's wrap up today. I mean, a, a quick big question, please. Um, and seeing as the it's the time of year, what I would like to know, please, is uh, quite simply, and you can again interpret this any way you like. What would you like for Christmas? And uh, Carol, we'll start with you, please. Well, luckily, living in Catalonia, you get three chances at presents at Christmas. You get your cagatillo, your Papa Noel, and your tres reyes magos. So we'll start with the cagatillo which translated is a pooping log. This is a log that you feed over the Christmas period. And then on the 24th of December, children will hit this log with another stick, demanding it poops them presents. And this is usually a small thing. So I think I want my cagatio to poop me a new Rover's website. It's still coming. Um, Papa Don't Noel... tell John Green about this. <laughs> <laughs> this is real, by the way. I've seen this before and it is frightening. It is, it's really, yeah. I gave John Green a little mini one. He's got his own little mini one that's been feeding over Christmas. So it's going to hopefully poop him some presents on the 24th. <laughs> uh, Papa Noel to bring Rovers a nice new defender would be nice. Don't, bit of a solid defence. And then I think I want from the Three Kings flights home and tickets to a Rovers game to spend some time with you guys in person. Fantastic. That sounds very good. And uh, three presents at Christmas as well. That's good. Finally, a reason that uh, living in Barcelona would be better than living in Kirkcaldy. Um Right, Scott, you next, please. What would you like? Uh, what would you like Santa Claus to bring you? Uh, I'm. Ho- I think I, s- I spoke to Blair about this last night as well. I'm hoping for Christmas Day to wake up and see a tweet in the morning of, oh, we have three players to be announced as signing new deals of Lewis Vaughan, Dylan Easton, and uh, Ross Matthews. Just get them all signed up. I mean, Stanton, the, obviously, the news about Stanton was brilliant. And I just think that, if you, I, I mean, Christmas Day would be just that little bit sweeter if, you've, if you're uh, able to celebrate with your family and whatever, and then you're just seeing that tweet come up saying that we've got three new players. Maybe three is a bit much to ask for, but like, oh. at least get a couple of them signed up because uh, I, I just get that little bit of fear that 
the days closer to January, there could be teams sniffing. Well, there is teams sniffing about Dylan Easton. That's just obvious. Uh, there's teams acquiring about him outside of the old firm, basically. Uh, so, but no, three new contracts, please. I'd, I'd be, I'd certainly be happy with that. Um, right, Robbie, you next, please. All I want for Christmas is a two-goal win. <laughs> Fair enough. I think that, yeah, that would be nice. That, in fairness, that is wild that we're at Christmas and we've not had a single game decided by more than a, a single goal either way. That um, can't have happened very often. Uh, unless our both um, haven't drawn a game yet. They're the, they're the anti-us. All of their games are decided. That was us by, last uh, season. It took ages till we got a draw. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Leslie, you next. Please, what was your Christmas wish? Right, well, I'm going to continue the, the, the kind of global theme. And so when Carl's told us about uh, Christmas in Catalonia, and I wanted to talk a bit about uh, Christmas in Japan, where owing to a um, misunderstanding and uh, an administrative blunder, a department store a couple of years ago had a window display of Santa Claus being crucified. Oh. <laughs> so I don't want to crucify anybody. I absolutely do not want to crucify anybody, but I do think that there are areas in the squad where we can make a few improvements in the uh, in the January transfer window. One of those is at the, the left back area. And I think there are one of two Lewises I'd love in an ideal world to see us try and bring in. One of them being uh, he who loves to dry the ball with a towel and then chuck it into the box, Lewis Strap. Or the other being Lewis Stevenson. I mean, that would be a lovely... Dave Neary type story, the one club man who's won everything with his club coming down to the championship and helping a team win the league. So I would love to see one of the Lewis's at left back and for purely selfish reasons, I would love to see us bring Kyosuke Tagawa in on loan from Hearts for the second half of the season to bring some physicality and pace and goals. All of which will mean that we can keep the players that we have, we don't crucify anybody and we strengthen what we have. It's, I I'm I'm with you on that. Not so much the the department store window element of it, but the the kind of I, I'd like Craig to see podcast here. Yeah, another option at, at left back, I think would be would be nice. I think Liam Dick's a very competent defender, but I think games like last night in particular, a more attacking minded option would be um would be handy. But yeah, someone like Lewis Stevenson, who's so much experience, certainly would go um a long way. In a, a kind of title race like this one, and um, Blair, you are uh, you're the last one to go. Please, what would you like for your Christmas? I was going to say the beauty of this is that you've all asked for things that I would like as well, so I don't need to ask for them. <laughs> if you're getting them for Christmas, I kind of am too. Um, so for me, I'm just going to say more merch, please, club, um, because I'm basically I said this before. I'm basically at a point where they can wrap up a bag of dog crap and put a Rovers badge on it, and I'm buying three of them. Um, Loving it. It's just great. The 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 variety of stuff that they're coming out with now is is glorious. That uh, whiskey went so quickly. Like it was incredible. Like it was less than like an hour. Like we were doing our podcast at the time. And then by the time we'd finished, I was like, Oh, by the way, the whiskey's gone. It's just I... great. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure there will be uh will be more to come on that front. Certainly there's another aspect of the club are doing uh, doing really good work. Um 
All right, excellent. Well, listen, um, on behalf of everybody here at the podcast, um, I would just once again like to take the opportunity to thank you all for watching and for listening, and also just to wish you all the very best for the uh, the festive period. So uh, keep an eye on uh, this week's Inside Match Day from Grace and Ben at the Football Club, because there is a chance you might see a couple of familiar faces. Um, and we will be back presumably on Thursday night with a, a preview of our Broth's visit next Saturday. So thank you again and have a very Merry Christmas.